Welcome, welcome, welcome back to The Real Weirdos. I am Jesse Ketman, and as always, I'm joined by Jeff Casino and Alex Aver. What's up, gentlemen? Hello, hello. Hello, everyone. And today we're talking about Snatch, which Snatch. is uh, an old favorite of Jeff and I's, at least. I'm not sure what uh, Alex's history with it is. But uh, it's from the year 2000, directed by Guy Ritchie. And it's a wild, fun, stylish black comedy. I feel like it can almost be described as a comedy of errors. It centers around this huge number of characters with intersecting plot lines, trying to get their hands on this massive diamond. It's, uh, It's violent as hell, raunchy. It doesn't have much to say about anything. It's not a deep movie. But if you have a certain kind of personality, I think you'll be smiling the whole time watching this. The actors and dialogue are fantastic. You know, this is a movie I watched like all the time when I was a teenager. And I hadn't seen it in like a decade. So it was like rediscovering like a like a song you used to listen to or something. And it's like you know all the words and you're but you're like you're not sure if it's going to be as good as you remember and it's it's really gratifying. <sighs> when it is i was like this is just like a comfy blanket of a movie because of my familiarity it has this really strong nostalgia factor but i'm getting ahead of myself jeff <laughs> you chose snatch yes, tell is. us why snatch is just it's a movie that's so fun to watch kind of like what you were saying about like having a smile on your face the whole time you're watching it it's it's a movie that i has a special place in my heart for me because I just, when I was a teenager, I watched it in a very particular circumstance. Uh, I was just staying that at a friend's house and it was one of those things where you're at a friend's house at the night and you're bored and they, they're they asleep. They go to bed at like eight or nine. And so I was just like sat on their floor and I found this movie like on top of their PlayStation. And I was like, oh, what's this movie? And I just popped it in the PlayStation DVD player. And um, yeah, it just... Watched it twice in a row. It was the only other movie I've encored in my life besides Macbeth. Um, I watched it twice in a row, and I was, yeah, probably 14, 15 at the time, and I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with all the characters. I loved the way that the plot kind of came together, and it's a movie that I think is good to watch at that age because it the plot is simple enough to where when it all comes together, it's almost like a fun aha moment that you feel satisfied with. And I think that's just indicative of Guy Ritchie's particular writing style. He's very cut into this this format of this kind of intersecting plot line. And, but we'll get into that. But mostly I chose it because it's just a movie that I felt shaped my view of looking into the plot, looking into the characters falling in love with characters and trying to mimic them and so that's it's just kind of a fun movie that has something to offer everyone did you did had you already like started to develop like brad pitt as your favorite actor before this movie or um i think i had seen fight club before this movie Uh, so i'm pretty sure because fight club was like like i had seen other brad pitt movies but fight club was my first 
Brad Pitt movie. I was like, oh man, I really like this guy. Like this guy's fun. And oh, he's fun in this movie, man. Yeah, exactly. And like, so I think How I do saw him go in blue this boys. Movie. I think I saw him in this movie, and this is when I really like was like, oh, this guy can like immerse himself in a role, and that's why I really liked him because he was such a great character actor. You can like smell him in this movie as yes. Mickey the Mickey the Pikey. Oh god! Of like he uh, he didn't shower very much during production, um, just to like be the character. And uh, someone joked, I think it was Jason Fleming joked that Brad Pitt's trailer toward the end of filming was so disgusting and uninhabitable that I don't know, like this is going to get Amnesty International to come clean it up. Some, some joke. <laughs> yeah, something like uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> he also couldn't do a British accent. They originally wanted him to be kind of like a South Londoner, but he couldn't do a British accent very well. Uh, but he could do an Irish accent okay. So they were like, okay, well, so we'll just make him into like a pikey. Okay. And apologies to anyone if that is still a derogatory reference. Well, that's how they refer towards to Towards Irish the nomadic people. I have no idea. We're from California, so so we're just saying it in the context of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Should we describe the plot of Snatch? I mean, it's a little difficult, but I mean, I guess we could it's, go into like yeah. the, ba- I think the basics at least, at least like the, the overarching plot. Yeah, I did, but it's very, I did it very quickly yeah, no, I think and broadly. More, yeah, into it. Um, so there's this diamond that is stolen by Benicio del Toro, <laughs> and uh, who's dressed as a rabbi, which is fun. In a fantastically funny opening scene, yeah, <laughs> one of the best opening scenes in a movie. Basically, like it gets taken from him, and you have all of these different sets of characters that the film follows. They're all, almost all of them, are trying to get the diamond or end up like embroiled in this in this weird little plot with its twists and turns and hilariousness. Um, simultaneous, you have uh, Jason Statham as like a boxing promoter, and he's trying to do a thing and gets embroiled in another thing. Uh, <laughs> this is a great plot <laughs> synopsis. I know. I didn't. I didn't write one because it's. <laughs> It's weird, you, like it's it's straightforward in a sense. Like you always understand what's happening. It's not an obtuse movie, but it is like it's it's definitely within the post pulp fiction world, right? Oh yeah, where you have all of these different narratives happening that have an intersectionality later down the line. <clears throat> that's not the only way that it's Tarantino-ish with the cutting. Yeah. But also like the the snappy dialogue and you have these gangster characters who are just like having conversations and like the dialogue in this movie is is hilarious. Yes, Guy Ritchie's the writer and so he very much spends a lot of time on creating these quick-witted kind of cool edgy characters and I think that attracts a particular type of audience member to this movie that can be a little distasteful. But Alex, what did you think of Snatch? So I loved it when I was younger. Um, I loved the first two films, I think, in the Guy Ritchie like universe, Lockstock in this one. And rewatching it now, I loved it still. I think it's a great movie. I think you guys are all like spot on. I would say a good adjective to describe it is not like complicated or complex, but clever and cheeky. And cheeky is good. It makes you feel clever when you watch his movies at least Uh, these two movies like and if anyone can get through this movie without trying to mimic at least one of the british accents then 
there's a problem with you because it's just so fun. Like, just the phonetic quality of the dialogue is fun, regardless of what they're saying. Yeah, I, I actually think that this movie might be his best movie. I know we're not talking about Guy Ritchie in general, but I think this was like the moment where like the universe kind of like fell into place for him. I don't know. It's it's cleaner in my opinion than Lockstock. Has some of the same like vibes as far as the comedy of errors thing, but I think he really like hit the nail on the head with this one. So you think it's better than Swept Away starring Madonna? I was waiting well, for it. I mean, <laughs> that one's just like implied. It's just implied that that one is. I was waiting for when Swept Away was going to come in. I mean, I had to, right? He went from Snatch, which is like this really cool, unique, witty, stylish thing, to like a fuck awful movie starring Madonna. <laughs> well, when you're married to her, I think there's a little bit of a a requirement to do her shitty movies. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> God. I don't know. Thankfully, I'm not married to Madonna. <laughs> uh, Snatch to me is such a great representation of a director falling into their style. And Guy Ritchie's style is unique to him. He does take a little bit, I think, from Tarantino. I think he takes a little bit from some earlier directors that I can't think of right now off the top of my head. But I, but I, there's a lot of little nods, like the Reservoir Dogs nod in the beginning. Scorsese, and, maybe. Yeah, so maybe a little Scorsese. He just likes to write these fun British crime dramas. And I think that is unique because we don't ever... We see the American crime drama a lot. That's very mm-hmm. framed in our prop culture. Is this pinnacle of a particular type of narrative. The Goodfellas, all the movies I love so much. And I find that these movies are in that same... Not in the same realm like as far as like quality of filmmaker but i find these movies to be fun takes on the british crime world now obviously the british crime world is not this like funny little clown circus that all these guys are (laughs) it's obviously a very serious place just like any other crime world but i think that to to turn a lens on a on the serious and give it this funny unique twist to it that guy Ritchie does so well is so indicative of a great director's style and i I do believe he is a good director. Now, it's hard to say that when he's written so many kind of meh movies. I mean, I guess the Sherlock Holmes movies are okay. Lock, Stock, and Snatch. I think Rev- Revolver is probably his worst of his... I consider Lock, Stock, Snatch, Revolver, and Rock and Rolla to be his like quintessential four mm-hmm. of, that, of this style of movie. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen a great amount of his movies. I've seen the first two. Of course, I've seen the Sherlock ones, and that might be it. I definitely have not seen Aladdin starring Will Smith. I will never watch that, but he's made a he's made some other movies uh, recently too that I don't know too much about them, but I I think that they're like sort of ensemble crime comedies mostly. So he might be still trying to like rekindle the magic of Snatch. I I couldn't say for sure, but I I like your point about the crime thing and like the, the characters that fit into it because most of the characters in this movie are not good people. In fact, most of them are pretty awful. Yeah. They're all murderers and thieves. Yeah. But because of the strength of the performances and all these great character actors and this witty, snappy Cockney dialogue, I love each and every character. Mm-hmm. You got Jason Statham as Turkish Benicio Del Toro as Frankie Four Fingers. <laughs> you got Dennis Farina in there as Cousin Avi. Vinnie Jones as Bullet Tooth Tony. And of course, Brad Pitt as Mickey the Pikey. 
And like, just on a side note, I love it when movies have names like this. Nicknames. You know what I mean? These like these underground mobster type nicknames. Frankie Four Fingers. Hey, Jimmy the Hat. You know, Jimmy the Hat. Forest <laughs> the Blade. It warms my heart, and I don't know why. It does because it kind of it it almost it's almost like putting a diminutive e at the end of a name when you're like Frankie Four Fingers. You know, it gives it may, it infantilizes the the fact that this is a criminal. Mm-hmm. The fact that just in the previous scene you saw them like violently stick up a jewel uh like a diamond i guess processing place in antwerp and then they go right into like into these funny little characters and me and jesse were talking prior to warming up the mics about how this is one of the most quotable movies it's so hard to not take the little like one-liners to the point where this movie is quoted in a lot of British electronic music, like early jungle, dubstep, D and B, samples use too, a lot of the. They'd use the Nemesis drop constantly. They use the uh, Muhammad Imad Bruce Lee. <laughs> they'd use the 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 uh, in the words of the Virgin Mary, "Come again." Like they use all like the great lines. Do you guys have favorite quotes? Probably in the words of the Virgin Mary, "Come again" is one of my favorite lines. That just that makes me laugh every time because the delivery is so on point. Um, yeah, the Germans, the whole the Germans like through line. Quick, because, tell me before the Germans get because here. at the yeah. time, um, uh, what is his name? Sorry, I'm blanking. Ben Affleck, <laughs> the actor who who plays um, Tommy. Oh. Uh, 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 He's great. Where, where He's is really he? good, yeah. Stephen Graham. Yeah, Stephen Graham. He was at the time filming um, Band of Brothers. And oh, so okay. that was Jason Statham's little like like poke at the fact that he was filming a World War II movie at the time. Was he threw in the improv the little Z Germans lines and like peppered them into the movie. Yeah. Anytime people are talking about Pikes, I know they're being racist. But it's like, it's a world I'm not from, and it's just hilarious to me. <laughs> and I yeah. love everything to do with the Pikes and Brad Pitt specifically. Do you guys have a, do you guys have a favorite character in the film? Oh, man. It's hard, right? Go ahead, Alex. I'll think about it. Um, damn. I know, it's hard. Honestly, I, I think that Boris is just like a hilarious character. Who seems he's like impervious, you know, and like the amount that it takes to like spoilers, uh, that it takes to how do I say defeat him? Yeah, I think Vinnie Jones such pumps a like word. two defeat. rounds of ammo into him. Oh, it takes a clip and a desert half of eagle. desert eagle ammo. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a very violent movie, by the way, but it, it most of the violence takes place off screen. There's a lot of off-screen violence. There's a lot of off-screen like blood splatter. Yeah. But like not much actual like there's no gore in this movie. Right. Uh, but I interrupted you, Alex. Sorry. Oh no, I was gonna say I like I do actually really like Bricktop. I think I love Bricktop. That actor just hilarious. nails it. Nails this like creepy, slimy guy with these gross teeth. <laughs> there's this little line like, "You want sugar?" No thanks, Turkish. I'm yeah. sweet enough. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, and he's got this these like long yellow teeth. Yeah, he plays this villain beautifully. This kind of 
this character that is an unstoppable force. This like that the, I love the Bricktop because there's many scenes that show how quickly he dispatches life and how he feeds them to pigs. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's this process of like he, this man is unstoppable. Do you know what nemesis means? A righteous infliction of retribution <laughs> manifested by an appropriate agent. Personified in this case by an horrible cunt. Me. <laughs> He's, yeah, he has these great lines and he has this great just like palpable demeanor to him that you can tell like this man means business. I'd say if I had a favorite though, it's Bullet Tooth Tony. Oh, yeah, yeah dude. Benny yeah, Jones Bullet Tooth Tony legend. is my favorite. He, He's, He's great. He's just got this cute... I would say this like cute childlike energy to his fact that he's like the most deadly man probably in the movie. Like he's like slamming this dude's head in the door and the phone rings and Madonna's Lucky Star is playing, which he had to pay one million dollars to license the rights to. <clears throat> and he's slamming the the um the dude's head in the door, which is the producer at the time. And he uh the phone rings and he leans over and he's like Bonjour. Like I yeah, just love yeah. like that kind of like demeanor of him and So wait, this movie cost six million dollars. You tell me a sixth of it was for that yep. song? He spent one million dollars to I did read that, Lucky but Star. I was like that's But then crazy. he did it, right? Well he was married to Madonna, but this oh, was when he I made believe, this one too? Okay. I thought maybe I don't know if he was married yet. to her yet, but I don't think I, that, I just, that he was I just yet. Don't know. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that was one thing I was reading about is they they spent a huge portion of the budget just to license Lucky Star. God, that's hilarious. And um, yeah, it's just yeah, he's a fun character, and like, I mean, we this movie is not like a a centerpiece of sh- cinematography, but there is some fun camera angles. I, I especially love the one where Tony is uh, you know, sitting with the twins on either side of him and it's shot real low and it kind of makes him look like this Titan, like almost like a statuesque man. And then they like reverse shot to Avi and, um, dug the head and they're like kind of the shot from above and they look kind of small. Like I just kind of love, there's some fun camera work, nothing super. It's not Paul Thomas Anderson, you know? Yeah. It's more about the editing and stuff, but yeah, I like the, security camera pan in the beginning where you you trace them throughout the building as it just goes to these different security cameras yeah that was really fun. another little thing i liked was um when cousin avi flies it just has these like boom 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 three like three little cuts you see him like get on the plane take a drink boom you're in new york or you're in you know london and he's like, Cousin Abby, like right after talking to him on the phone. And it's this really economic way of showing a character move from a from a location. And it fits like it fits the pacing, the like the bam, bam pacing of the movie. Edgar Wright does this, too, in his movies. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like, yeah, it's a sit down and shut up, you bald, fat fuck. Like, there's just like these like. The characters are so fun. And I mean, we went over the plot, but yeah, basically like this diamond is trading hands throughout the movie and you don't, Guy Ritchie's kind of unique, I guess we can call it his unique thing, his, his Tarantino, you know, the Tarantino start at the bat end of the movie. His thing is that he has intersecting plot lines. So you don't know that every character has something to do with the MacGuffin of the movie, which is this diamond. 
But you know eventually it will lead to that point. And the fun of the movie is watching it get there and seeing how these characters all start to slowly intersect. And Guy Ritchie has always a unique moment, at least in he does in Lockstock and in this movie, where all these characters who have no idea about each other slowly have one scene where they interact and then disperse again. Yeah, and everyone's a goofball too. We called it a comedy of errors and it totally is. Like everybody bungles everything. Oh yeah. Just endlessly. (laughs) Nobody's good at their job. Except maybe, I I guess you could say Bricktop, but I guess at the end, um, Mickey gets the, you know, the one over on him. Spoilers. Mm -hmm. You know, but, uh, so Turkish is a a unlicensed boxer. So Mickey becomes, uh, Mickey in a, in a caravan trade gone wrong, Turkish's uh, best boxer is knocked out, and Mickey is a, a one-punch machine who has to take his place because Bricktop has licensed this boxer from Turkish to fight in a fight. And Bricktop, if he gets your like, if he licenses one of your boxers, he owns you. And so it's kind of all of them trying to get out of each other's grasp. And it's such a fun little plot. And Brad Pitt does this great... I mean, I guess we can talk about Brad Pitt now. Doing this great voice. This great accent that's so unique to this movie that everyone can really tell. Like, Pikey is a little reminiscent of this, but this is so exaggerated. Oh, yeah. You like dags? Dags. Dags? Dags. Oh, yeah. I like dogs. (laughs) <laughs> what do I want a caravan with no fucking wheels? <laughs> the blue one. Yeah, his accent is hilarious. It, it's uh, I read that it was um, kind of a play on the fact that people complained that they couldn't understand what was happening in Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Yeah. It's like ultra cockney, that movie. Yep. So um, Guy Ritchie was just like, oh, well, let's just write a character who people in the movie can't even understand. It's funny because the more you watch it, you uh, more you understand. Sorry, Alex, my fault. Oh no, you're good. Um, I was gonna say I don't know if we've talked about Soul or Tyrone or Vinny. Yeah, that's yeah. a fun plot line. I think those three guys are like. There's something about them that I feel like they're not like the anchor in any way of the movie, but they like really help. Um, speaking on the editing and the quick editing when they interact with um, Bullet Tooth Tony. And like the gun, like you have replica written on the side of your gun. Yeah. <laughs> like that whole bah, 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 cut bah, bah. thing. I was just thinking about my favorite quote while you guys were talking. And it probably is like the, don't let the dogs, I don't want this dog drooling over my seats. <laughs> They're like, it's oh, a yeah, stolen I want, car. I don't want this dog Tyrone. dribbling on my seats. <laughs> <laughs> Tyrone's this enormous fat man who just like can't get out. He's the getaway like, driver. I thought, I thought you said he was a getaway driver. What yeah. the fuck could he get away from, eh? <laughs> Apologies for our British accents, by the way. Yeah, they're going to be horrible. <laughs> like our Cockney accents. It's part of the movie. <laughs> we like, to this day, there are lines from Snatch that I say with certain people in my life. Dude, like, there are if I'm, so many. Like, if I'm parking and, like, it's a huge spot, I'll just look over and be like, you can fit a jumbo fucking jet in there, Tyrone. <laughs> And everything, yeah, everyone just can't seem to fall. Like, I love this movie because it introduces these characters as kind of like suave and cool. When you first meet all of them, you have you have Turkish, you know, he's like training the boxer and he's kind of suave with his trench coat. You got Tommy with the gun. You got all these characters, but as the movie progresses, they become more and more inept. 
to the point where you like pity them by the end of the movie like whether those driving, three especially yeah when you're just... driving by well that's why they're like the heroes and they're the only ones that come out clean at the end <laughs> oh no i meant the black guys oh yeah yeah you feel exactly like you feel the, bad the comedy of errors is is like so strong with them it's just bungle after bungle and they just get fucked they get proper proper fucked the- <laughs> Their story is also, if we're going to talk about the drawbacks of this movie, their story is also the most, um, has the most errors in editing because there's a lot of fuck ups as far as the continuity of the, the plot in that. Oh, where, really? Oh, I didn't yeah, even there's notice. a little, there's a couple, there's just a little like, so basically they have the diamond. Um, Vinny has the diamond in his pants when Bullet Two Tony finds them in the car. So he takes them back to their hideout. And tries to convince them that the dog ate the diamond. So at this point, they you know they recognize these guys. But earlier in the movie, when he has his gun to his head, before they put the masks on with the replica guns and try to take the diamond back, you would know who that person is right away in the mask. You just put a gun to his head like a minute ago. You know what I mean? Like there's oh. a little continuity error as far as like characters' memories. So I think these certain scenes were shot and then they were stitched together in a way that didn't quite didn't quite make sense i think it would have been better if the scene with the replica guns was first and then they went and discovered who these guys actually were behind the masks and then xyz god i don't know i think it would just make a little more sense that way i will say one of my favorite parts about this movie i'm also a huge massive attack fan Um, yes but it's like the best I've ever seen that song used in a film, Angel. I love how the whole movie is like light and relatively like speedy and funny, except for that scene when they burn the the caravan. That's when like the movie like actually bites a little, and it goes to what you were saying, Jeff. How you were like, oh, we know that the crime world in England is actually serious. It's like that moment is like you're like, holy fuck. And it's just that yeah, you simple just, you line. You just burned someone's mother alive yeah. so that they'll box for you in a fixed fight. Exactly. Like, it was just like, oh, they burned his mother's caravan down. And at first you're like, oh, okay, well, they love their caravans. That's really fucked up. And then he goes, while his mother was still in it. And you're just like, oh, dear. So, like, there are some serious, serious, like, it's not like people are just getting slapped up on the wrist or getting, you know, batted away with good wit, English wit or anything like that. It's like... No, this is, it's actually like a serious story and it starts to take like a crazy turn then. The movie does a great job in setting up how just reprehensible Bricktop is. Oh God. And all these different, like he's a, he's like has, he runs dog fights and you see him just like jabbing this dog with a stick to get him angry. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But he's so likable in the same way. Like I said, not because he's a, a good character, but because he's a good character. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like he's not good. He's played well. Yeah, he's played well. The the dialogue is amazing. You're on thin fucking ice, my pedigree chums, <laughs> and I will be there underneath when you fall through it or something. Yeah, like we're underneath when it breaks. Now fuck off. Underneath when it breaks. Now fuck off. I think this is a testament to when a director really cares about writing, uh, and then sometimes they can fall off that. And it's sad to see because Guy Ritchie wrote this movie and you can tell he really cared about creating that moment, that crescendo in the movie where it would hit the hardest. 
because he builds you up with this funny haha, just like you're saying, Alex. And then I love that scene, and I agree. I'm also a huge Massive Attack fan, so that song was used perfectly. Yeah. And when when they're breaking the the jack the uh, the slot machines. Oh like, yeah. You already like you you sympathize with Turkish, in my opinion. I sympathize with Turkish and Tommy the most. They were the characters that I felt were the most swept up and everything, and were just trying to be low rent criminals instead of just like <laughs> high range criminals. <clears throat> so that scene's great. You have the use of the gun coming in handy again, mm-hmm. which is a fun little callback. And um, so you think that's it. Like you already feel bad. You're like, oh no, they they, t- they took t- Turkish's money and now they're breaking his business. Like, no, come on. And then it cuts to that that fire and it's so like, boom, it's so jarring. And I think that's just a testament to really just great writing and timing and uh some of the benefits of having writer director. Sometimes there's a lot of detriments, but I think that's a benefit because you know the timing you want on a scene, and it shows. Yeah, that has Guy Ritchie's fingerprints all over it. Also, I mean, if you needed any more evidence that Brad Pitt is also like a very good physical actor, there it is. Oh yeah, like great legs as well. Let me just throw that out there. <laughs> I love that scene because it's great. Because as you see, he's like he's he's in a lot of pain and agony, and he's crying, and they're pulling him, but he's also very dangerous. <laughs> so every time they're pulling him back, and he like throws his arms out, they and they turn and he turns towards them, they all back up and put their hands up. And I love that little detail because it's like, oh, like this is our friend, and he's grieving right now, but he can also like fucking kill us yeah. all with one punch, <laughs> exactly. Conor McGregor, I have always had this theory. I'm not into UFC or MMA or fighting, but it's hard not to know who Conor McGregor is. And ever since he came on the scene, I was just always been like, oh, so like that's who you're basing your character off of. Like that's your <laughs> ethos is freaking Mickey from Snatch. A little, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a little bit of that in his character for sure. That could also just be me being incredibly stereotypical right like, <laughs> I, I two irish think that, guys i don't know i think you could say i i think that if you said that to connor he might have already got that reference before yeah and then there's a little fun little fact um i forget his i think his name's liam one of mickey's compatriots the uh the main one that has the only spoken lines with the mullet yeah oh darren uh, is is darren, that's jason uh, fleming yeah that's jason fleming thank you from darren yeah, Darren, thank you, from Lockstock, who is also, fun fact, a little deep cut, is the uh, the name of the Discord channel. Uh, my Discord channel is Bobby's Bits, which is a reference from Lockstock. I never oh. knew that. I yep. never okay. asked you either. Yep, Bobby's Bits, my Discord channel, and it's a picture of uh, Jason Fleming. Yeah, on okay. My Discord channel. Is that what yeah. that is? Yeah, it's a picture oh, of Jason is. Fleming uh, describing that. Bobby's bits is their like their racket, their their dildo racket, like the best dil makes the best dildo you ever. I need to see that again. I don't remember it like at all. I remembered Snatch as soon as I started Snatch. As soon as I started watching Snatch, I was like, it's just the nostalgia just flooding over me and like hearing all these lines again. It's like a movie that my blood knows all the lines but my brain had forgotten them yeah it's like you know what so, i mean <laughs> it was such a perfect reference of an old song it's like when you listen to an old song you're like oh wow i actually know all the lyrics to this song mm-hmm. still that's a perfect way to distill 
how these movies feel watching again. There are a certain cadre or like set of movies that are really good at doing that. And I think it's a testament to good filmmaking and good storytelling. I mean, obviously these lock stock snatch guy, Ritchie is like good at that. It's like, it's a movie that stays fresh. It's a movie that stays like, I don't know. There's just, it doesn't ever really get old to me because that's not the point of the movie, right? The point of the movie is not like, Oh, what's going to happen with this diamond? Another film, obviously based in the same realm or area, is Train Spotting for me. Is one that yeah. I could always kind of like tap into and be like, "Oh yeah, I know every single fucking scene in this movie." Yeah, these movies age well. The plot is there and it's kinetic. It's always moving forward, but you almost don't care. You're just having so much fun yeah. with the characters and the dialogue. It's totally a dialogue movie. Do you think there's anything in here that hasn't aged well? <laughs> as far you're as like you setting us up, Jesse, <laughs> or just like as far as like it hasn't really held water as being like. Um. Good however, you want to interpret it. However, okay. you want to interpret the question. I think Bricktop has some questionable lines. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he does get racist. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple. Of, yeah, but um, I think I was about to but just agree with that. Fine. This movie that ages works really for well. his character. Yeah, it does. It's, it's not, no, I, I have no qualms with it. But as far as aging well, I, this movie is ages. All Guy Ritchie's movies, as far as the, the these four, age so well that I don't really, I don't really think so. Rock and I mean, Rolla. Rock and Rolla is amazing. Or Revolver, which is the bad one? Revolver's not that great, but it's still okay. I it's, walked it's out just, of Rock and Rolla. Oh, you're I, you're just you're just such you're full of shit. <laughs> yeah i just i like i walked out of the movie theater i don't want to say it wasn't necessarily because it was like a bad film you must have got dumped or something no it was like more like i could stay and watch the film or i could go and meet up with friends but in any other scenario i'd be like i'm in the middle of a fucking movie theater i'll meet up with you guys after but for some reason in that movie i was like oh yeah i'll just fucking go <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go see it. Chance. I love. I'll give you guys a book report sometime later and to see this movie. I love it. I think it's a great. This movie in Lockstock always in my mind. I always think it's like in the same universe, even though there's so many recurring characters that are different. Like I can always just see it happening in the same universe, and I think that could, that, that you could do that. Kevin Smith does that. He has yeah, well, dude. In in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Ben Affleck plays two different people. Yeah. So does Jason Lee in the same movie. <laughs> they talk <laughs> like, about that. True. Affleck, if you uh, if you if you're like not aware of who these characters are, you would be horribly confused. Yeah. Yeah, I could see like ba- like Turkish is like an older version of Bacon after like the group has like yeah the group from Lockstock has like separated and gone their separate ways. Like Turkish ends up like becoming a boxing promoter. Mm-hmm. I think that. One thing you were saying earlier in the podcast, Jeff, when I watch Goodfellas or when I watch The Godfather or any American crime movie, I am, you know, filled with just like a little inkling of patriotic like pride or like a glimmer of just like, ooh, this is like the essence of my nationality. And this movie, I really feel like Guy Ritchie is like, it's fair to say he's doing like a modern day almost uh, Chaucer thing. You know, Chaucer was kind of like, I want to create a literature and a language that represents England and like puts us forth as a 
formidable artistic, you know, fountain of this, material. This better be going somewhere, Alex, comparing Snatch to Chaucer. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, no. Think, you, I, I, I think I, I totally am agreeing with this line of uh, So I'm saying here, that, so like, Guy Ritchie, it's like these movies are, like, they're just full of, like, I don't want to say British pride, but it's there's something when I say these movies are British, it's so much more than just the accents and like the shot locations, the idea of being witty, the idea of having a villain that is so witty that he's likable and clever with his words is very British. And every single character in this movie, although it is a comedy of errors, they aren't like dumb. They're, they're all so clever and they're all so, quick with their words which i just think is so indicative of british culture and what they hold in high regard so in that same vein yes but i'm not gonna say he's chaucer jeffrey chaucer. i think what you're trying to say is that he's able to distill what makes british culture unique in film and then uh, in a way that is digestible enough for american audiences and i think a lot of what people understand about certain british mannerisms comes from Guy Ritchie movies. Mm-hmm. At least in America. Maybe, yeah. People around our age who, who synthesized this movie when they were 15, especially. Yes, I definitely don't think it's like every... <laughs> like yeah. how you really narrowed that pool down for me, yeah. so I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. Go, Woo! Let's make that funnel <laughs> a little shorter. I think uh, one of the things that I thought watching this time, apropos um, things that haven't aged well, I was wondering like how I would have felt about this movie if i saw it today like for the first time which is impossible but i think i think some of the editing mm-hmm. and like some of the musical choices just feel a little t- like it's like trying just a little too hard to be edgy and cool mm-hmm. yep. but just a little bit like this movie is edgy and cool and it feels very natural 95 percent of the time yeah and i couldn't i couldn't exactly point to a specific moment it's just something I felt, and I wondered if you guys agreed. 100%. I definitely agree. And yeah. that that's going to be true for a lot of stuff, kind of like, obviously you can't put it in a vacuum and move it up in time, but if I had seen this movie now, or if it if it had came out in theaters now, I would have been like, Guy Ritchie, why are you being so lazy? We've seen this. It's so overdone and so like overused, but it's hard because... I would be saying that going back to a film like Pulp Fiction, like Lockstock and Snatch, like those are the ones who, in my opinion, for me at least, helped establish this like genre in a sense. And it's like, fuck, I would be comparing it to itself. But yeah, no, if it came out today, it would be stale. Some of the edginess would get a little stale with the quick cut edits and things like that. But I think that's a testament to how good it is because it it's like, it's been aped so much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. The style, the the tone of it has been aped. It was definitely a weird kind of watershed kind of movie, I want to say, yeah, where like you one. had a lot of like like after Pulp Fiction or whatever, <clears throat> you'd have all these like dark comedies, these dark like crime comedies. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that Snatch kind of reinvigorated that for a little while. Oh, definitely. I definitely agree. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. This movie I, I this movie cuts itself on its own edginess a little little too much at times but it what it is is it's a movie that was unique for its time period and I can't 
like you're kind of saying, it's just hard to compare. I can't really compare it if it were to come out now. I think if it were to come out now, I would really like it because there's a there's a charm to it that I don't think ages. There's a unique charm to this movie that is makes these characters lovable and cute at times. There's just kind of an affectionate cuteness to this movie. Like you can tell Guy Ritchie wanted this movie to come across as fun and funny with a taste of dark. And I I don't know, it's like this movie's like a, just a really well-made cake. It's not fancy, it's not fondant with like towers and everything on it. It's just a really well-made cake and it's tasty and I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, good writing, good dialogue, good performances. These things are timeless. Yeah. yeah. The characters are funny. It's got really top-ranking actors in it. As far as like most of the performances, I mean, even I mean, even what even even Bremner was in it for a, t- a tick, and then you know he was in Train Spotting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> There's um oh yeah, Spud shows up. Spud shows up. Yeah, you know, great scene. He has a few deleted scenes as well. Make it with my wild tone into the movie. You've been brushing your teeth with dog shit, mullet. <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a lot of just fun to be had in this movie, and I watch it pretty often still. And I chose it for that reason. I I was gonna go into Amadeus for this choice, but I thought I kind of just want. I was watching this movie just in the background, and I was like, ah, I think this would just be fun to watch and talk. We've been about. doing so many hefty movies. Yeah, I mean, after Paris, Texas, too, it was time to have a little fun. And that's, yeah, that's what this movie is. Like I said, it's it's not deep. You're not going to learn anything. You're just going to have a really good time. Yeah. And it's now, one of my all-time favorites. I didn't think of it, like, too much in line. But I have to say, after watching Inherent Vice and speaking to you guys about it, I don't know why I had that movie on my mind while I was watching this one. Something about this, like, frantic energy or whatever that's in Inherent Vice really is not a similar movie in any sense but it's almost like an american version of it's of like it. a bonkers plot with all these all these fun actors showing up playing yeah. these memorable characters and it's really funny so i i see the comparison that you're making definitely. i think that it shows too that the actors actually had like lots of fun playing these roles i feel like playing bullet tooth tony would have been so amazingly fun like he's so tough the whole movie until he hears Boris's name and, he, and then he turns into like a frightful little English Boris boy. the bullet dodger. Yeah, yeah. Why do they call him that? Because <laughs> he, he dodges, dodges bullets. Dodge bullets, heavy. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. Also, Vinnie Jones, the actor, tends to also play this this character a lot. He oh, plays yeah. it's big, a it's a total Vinnie Jones character. Yeah, he he the, plays Big Chris in Lockstock, and it's essentially the exact same character. There were a couple shots in here where it's somebody else, like when you see him in the in the car window, like the reflection, because Vinnie Jones was in jail for fighting. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> in a bar fight, and he couldn't. When he taps on their uh, window, when they have the diamond, they're about to take it into Bricktop, and he taps on the window with the Desert Eagle. That Yeah, that's not him. That's his stand-in. So he was known, I mean, he was a professional, I'll say, football player in England, since we're talking about an English movie. But he was a professional player. I think he played for Leeds United. Yep. And he was known, he was part of this era when the game was still like really rough. And he was known as a hard man. And he he's like a goon kind of in hockey, right? Like his yeah. major role was to fuck people up. 
and you definitely see how that has translated into his acting career yeah it's like all he plays <laughs> all he plays is those heavy characters exactly it's perfect for him yeah no it works really well yeah it's it, i guy Ritchie really knows how to cast people well in his movies for these these characters that he writes i always feel like in all his movies the casting is just so on point and yeah yeah, I'm curious to see what he does in the in his later movies because I, like I said, I I don't I'm not very familiar with them, but they do seem like ensemble crime capers, uh, a decent amount of them. So I I'm curious to see if he can rekindle the snatch magic a little bit or do or do something different, you know? Yeah, part of me feels like he is very focused on British history and British literary traditions. Like right, he's doing Sherlock. He did King Arthur. Um, I think... But he makes those he makes these movies into like big dumb action movies. Exactly. So they're not like yeah. smart. Like yeah. The Sherlock Holmes movies are not smart movies. I was going to say I feel like he's been trying to kind of capture the energy from Snatch and Lockstock and I guess the Revolver and Rock and Rolla without totally replicating it. But part of me like I when I watched a uh, part of um arthur legend of the sword i didn't finish it but part of me was kind of like just go full back just go full on guy Ritchie, you know like just go back to it i totally don't mind i don't know what it is you're trying to do but i guess to your guys's point it would probably get a lot older and a lot staler then you know and he would be static guy Ritchie's kind of like one of those bands that's like you like them, you like their first like six albums so much, and then they start going in a different direction. You're like, no, like, I don't want this, but I don't want to watch Aladdin. Exactly, it'd be unfair <laughs> to him to Get say, like, here. just make Lockstock again, you know, like that wouldn't be fair, but fuck if he isn't good at it. Yeah, I'm gonna check out his new movie, uh, Wrath of Man, I think it's called tonight, and see what that's about. His new Jason Statham kind of crime drama. Oh, nice. nice. Give us a uh, give us a book report next yeah, time. Yeah, I'm going to see how that is and see if it's still got the flair. But what I mean uh, when I put those four movies into a category, just as a little last thing, is, Alex, um, I think that, that those four movies together are a representation of his struggle to capture his essence mm. back. Uh, and that's why I grouped them together. Because his other movies, obviously the ones with Madonna, but then Aladdin, these, are, these aren't Guy Ritchie movies. These are Guy Ritchie doing movies. Yeah. yeah, those four movies are Guy Ritchie movies because that is when you can tell he's putting his his particular creative intrigue and flair into the dialogue and the writing, and you can feel it. It's palpable in his movies. And you have Lockstock, where he's like really figuring himself out. Mm-hmm. Still a great movie. It's probably my favorite of the two of Snatch, but I think Snatch is a lot more digestible. Yeah. And um, and the reason I chose this because of this reason is that Snatch is him refining all of those tools. Okay, now I have all these tools. I know what makes me unique. I know what makes my story writing unique. Boom, Snatch. Great yeah. movie. Then he makes Revolver, which in my opinion was his worst of these four, where he's like trying to use like Andre 3000 and some other like kind of not quite up and coming actors, but just, you know, like they, they do like, it would be like doing ludicrous, you know, when he was doing the fast and furious movies, it's like those kind of roles. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he, so he's putting, but he's putting Andre 3000 in a lead role and it's a little dangerous and it doesn't quite pan out and it falls flat. And then I felt with rock and roller, he was really digging in and like, what makes me good? 
And he pulled that out and, and created Rock and Rolla, which isn't nearly as good as these two, but still captures that that beauty of his kind of these inter, intertwining characters that are fun with the nicknames and the and you care and oh oh this guy is actually gonna meet up with this guy later and you kind of see that all coming and he, he creates that with Rock and Rolla and then he just stops and he starts making kind of just movies. Yeah. yeah. Right. And <laughs> and that's where that's the unfortunate part is when a director puts aside their creative in talent and goes, okay, I need to pay the bills because these movies don't make as much mm-hmm. as these movies. And I have notoriety, so I can make these movies. I'm sure Aladdin wasn't creatively fulfilling, but goddamn, did it pay the bills. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Even, People even watched that, it. That fat Disney check. Yeah. Yeah, remake of one of the most racist things of all time. And he's uh, slated to do Aladdin 2. Oh, Yay, more Will Smith. Swept away really must have just threw him. It's just like a dagger into his career somehow, like a poison dagger. Dude, you made Snatch, and then you make Swept Away? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just shows that like he has the ability to switch when the money's right, or when like your wife bitches that she mm, wants to make a seriously. movie with I don't know about ability. The movie is legendarily awful. Yeah, I don't but, know. But, I mean, he made it. It is a yeah. different kind of movie. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's just a director that has to work. He's a working director. Like they say, working actor. Yeah. Like he's definitely a working director. But he's a working director that has a unique style that is worthy of noting and talking about and, and, and shining a light on because his movies are fun and have a place. And I believe they are kind of like a essential watch I like how we don't know if he still has his style or not. None of us have seen these like newer movies. <laughs> I have I, I, seen I'm the man from I'm going to see tonight. I did yeah. see The Man you... from Uncle. Okay. Yeah. And it's like a it's like a spy movie, I guess, but it isn't with that snappy British kind of like affect to it. The dialogue, I guess you could say, is a little snappy. Uh it has Henry Cavill in it and um Alicia Vikander and someone else. There are other people. Army it's definitely Hammer. like ensemble, but it's I don't know. And Elizabeth Debicki. <laughs> oh yeah, she's um, in it. Yeah, Tenet. we love her. We do. She's great. Well, I've only seen Tenet. I think that she's in, but she was one of the best parts of that movie. It would be hilarious if we went and did see Aladdin, and it was just like actually like really like. Good. It was just like a Disney <laughs> version of like his quick British snappiness. And we're like, holy shit. Somehow I doubt it. I doubt that they allowed him to write Aladdin in the style of Lockstock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call me crazy. Genie blue oh, smoke. I put money against that. Genie's like smoking the whole time from his <laughs> exactly. own tail. Um, yeah, no, I want to, to what you're saying, Alex, I definitely agree that with his newer, I definitely agree with Jesse that what you're saying, Jesse, about his newer movies and that we don't understand. And I think that the reason we don't understand about if he has or has or has not lost is because of maybe the same reason that you asked before about what would happen if Snatch was released today. Maybe that same thing is in Guy Ritchie's mind. Like, what what happens if I release another quick-witted, edgy mm-hmm. crime comedy? Will that fall flat? Will that be stale? can I do it in a way that's unique again and yeah. maybe just playing it safe? So maybe that you we've kind of answered our own 
question with a question. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'd have to watch the movies to to form an opinion. Yep. Well, I'll get back to you. All right. I'll get back to um, you. So that's Snatch. Go watch it. If you <laughs> want something fun to watch, watch Snatch. Yeah. <laughs> it's palate, great. Fun it's little so, palate cleanser movie. It's so funny. It's, it's quick. It's witty. It's, uh, it's a good old romp. It's a movie that like your 15-year-old self would laugh to, and then your dad walks into the room, and he's like 50 or something. He, he will also laugh. I, I like it is that it's like a very it's a very generationally masculine movie you can key in on so many different themes to it definitely a masculine movie oh yeah there's not a lot of ladies in it (laughs) um so before we head off into the wild great yonder on the good ship lollipop do you guys have any random recommendations or things you watched this week um I'm trying to think back to anything I watched this week, and I think I don't this week. I've been a little busy with some some planning for a road trip I'm going on, so I've been a little without movies. And also after the Paul Thomas Anderson binge, I kind of wanted to like take a step back from film for a <laughs> yeah. few days and makes sense. Kind of do some other stuff. So yeah, nothing nothing for me today, unfortunately. All right, Alex. Yeah, actually, um, I watched for like maybe the second or third time Wim Wenders other movie that I'd known about called wings of desire. That's the director of Paris, Texas. Exactly. Yeah. Um, definitely same type of pace, beautifully shot type thing. Glacial. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Glacial. Uh, maybe don't watch it. Like if you're, you know, about to go to sleep or anything, but it was interesting, and while I don't like it as much as Paris, Texas, I can see that it, like it might actually have a wider appeal. And then also, I watched a movie called Princess: The Tale of Princess Kaguya, which is like a animated film from that Japanese studio, Studio Ghibli, which is like really big. You know, they make all the fucking all the movies that all all the white girls have stickers of on their cars and tattoos of. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm Japanese, by Amazing. the way, to anyone who's listening, so I can say that. Um, <laughs> it was actually gorgeous. It's like it's like a sp- stripped down style. Like you you see where like the watercolor brushstroke ends in some of the frames for the background and landscape, and it's like really raw drawings in some scenes, and then it gets really vibrant and beautiful. Um, it's like a Japanese folk folk tale. So that was actually an interesting experience. Did you was that um was that recent? I feel like I've seen most Ghibli movies, mm-hmm. especially of course the ones directed by Miyamoto. Uh that's his name, right? Miyazaki. 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 Damn it. <laughs> I started this I sounded like I was Is that is that Miyazaki's cousin oh, Miyamoto? Shit. Oh shit. I think I was thinking about the Nintendo guy. Uh but um, it is newer. But yeah. no, Okay, okay. That was my question. That and was it, my, my circuitous question. I don't think that it oh, is. Circuitous. Miyazaki. He throws in that word to make up for the mistake. <laughs> yeah, I got to be clever, you know? People are listening to this. They're like digging on my sexy voice, these dulcet tones. They're like, oh. Jordan Peterson, Henry David Stanton, you know. Okay, thanks for bringing it back. Right, thanks for, thanks for <laughs> turning was, the I'm mirror sorry. back on me, buddo. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, um i watched uh for maybe the first time if i'd seen it before i couldn't remember it but i watched rebel without a cause with james dean 
1955, and it is just fantastic. Um, he did this wild method acting thing. He was part of the new school, like coming up after Brando, and watching it is kind of heartbreaking because you can see that he could have been a Brando. I mean, it's about a it's about a kid who like has kind of emotional problems going to a new town, and like basically getting picked on and him um fighting back and there's a nice like love story and he makes friends with another guy mm-hmm. um i won't go too deep into it there's cars of course people know people think of james dean on a motorcycle probably he's not in a motorcycle in it but he does drive cars that's a really good like teen kind of um buildings roman like coming of age story mm-hmm and uh, centered around a really fantastic performance. I think he was only in three movies ever. He was. Before yeah. he died. I think Rebel Without a Cause and Giant came out actually after he had died. Um, East of Eden was the only one he was alive for. Yeah, which is crazy. Can you, like, you can't even imagine the life he would have had. Just every woman in the world throwing themselves at him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and him being like, well, I don't like girls, so too bad oh did he not um you know there's like a pretty like well-known rumor that apparently he was molested when he was a younger boy by his uh priest in his hometown but he actually did have relationships with men i read a biography where they had a few uh nudies in there that he would send to other actors and whatnot and then I'm pretty sure that Pierre Angeli was a woman like he was engaged to, and it was like set up by Hollywood, right? Because they're like, you can't be gay, so we need to we need to make this marriage work. Um, yeah, you could not be gay in Hollywood at this point. Just no, drove Montgomery Cliff off the wagon. Yeah. Um, well, that Rock Hudson accident. was also in one of those like fake marriages, but it was well known that he was also homosexual. And him and mm. him and uh, Dean worked together on Giant. Apparently, they fucking hated each other. So uh, <laughs> it's always funny when actors are like their like their chemistry on screen. They're they're forced to be with each other, and then you read that they just hated each other. Yeah, <laughs> like Harrison Ford and uh, who was the girl in Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner? Oh, was the Sean Sean Young. Sean Young. Yeah. yeah, they just despised each other. Um, but I digress. Rebel Without a Cause, really good. Yeah. And Snatch, really good. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we will be back next week. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night, y'all. Now our podcast is done, and we have to run. We know it is sad, but we had so much fun. Don't be bereft, Jesse, Alex, and Jeff. We'll be back real soon. The real weirdos. We talk about movies for way too goddamn long.